There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hello and welcome to the AEW Collision Review. I'm Adam Wilborn from What Culture, joined by another one of the Dudley Boys, yeah. Michael Sidgwick from What Culture, to review everything that happened on this weekend's episode of AEW Collision. But before we get into it, if you're a fan of this sort of thing, make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, and YouTube. Huh? Where we do daily wrestling podcasts where we not only review AW Collision, but also AW Dynamite, Rules, SmackDown, the show formerly known as NXT 2.0. Oh! Pay-per-views, premium live events. We have interviews, roundtable discussions, and a round of the week complete. Everybody goes, of course, on WrestleCulture. As I said, though, joined by Michael Sidgwick to review AEW Collision. But before we get into that, let's uh, do a quick review. I know this is sort of backwards uh, of all the title changes that went down at AEW. Right, now that's out of the way. What do you make of AEW Collision? I resent the show's existence, and I enjoyed this episode for about 60, 70% of it. Yeah, I saw you going back and forth on X about on this X? over the weekend. Yeah, the microphones will forgive me for uh, just uh, expanding on my tweet, but I basically said I enjoyed that episode of Collision whilst at the same time wishing the show did not exist. <laughs> I could, in theory, watch Brian Danielson do that on Dynamite and some of the other bollocks could just go away in place of Brian Danielson on Dynamite. It's... The existence of collision and diluting the ticket market is, in my opinion, a big contributing factor in these sort of 2,500, the 2,500 punters era Mm. in these 18,000-seater monuments (laughs) that just has this detrimental effect on the atmosphere. So the existence of Collision has diluted that market, which is already kind of soft. It's softened it even further. So you're just giving the punters too much. You're spreading everything thin. and You're diluting the appeal of the of the promotion. Therefore, people feel like they've seen enough and do not really want to go and watch it live yeah. as much as they once did. Danielson Andrade, spoiler, we're going to uh, review it imminently, was very, very, very good. I don't know if it was great, but maybe I feel like I've overused that word in recent years. Or maybe I haven't overused it, and the fact that I've used it so much has made it normalized. Yeah. Beyond that, and I had a little bit of fun with the Kingston Jarrett stuff, but I kind of loved and hated it in equal measure. Elsewhere, it was just collision. It was three, the subverted it, but like three in action graphics, essentially, or two. Yeah. So when the show opened, we already, we already knew about one of them. And I think they added two more. Three in action graphics, albeit one was subverted, 
and an unreasonably long main event, about which I'm sorry. We'll probably have some fun throughout this podcast. I have minimal thoughts on that main event other than unreasonably long and couldn't get into some of the really good work in it as a result. That just tells me this company does not have discounting Rampage, which is just some matches, some battle royals and three ways and, <laughs> you know, E-Fed autopilot matches to build matches on the important TV shows. Yeah, if you miss AEW Dark and Elevation, don't worry, we got you covered. Yes, actually correct. Um, the, this promotion does not have, and I would, I would argue that no promotion has sufficient ideas to do four hours of TV, and Collision makes that abundantly clear. They very much preserve Dynamite as the flagship. All the really big stuff happens on there. You get some better stuff on Collision at times, but the big stuff that they want you to take seriously. I mean, look at the top of the hours that I detected the pattern last week. You'd never see something that happens at the top of the hour on Collision do that on Dynamite. No. They know where the bread's put. They know where the vast majority of the audience is. So I don't know if it's a tactical thing or they just don't have the ideas or a combination of both. I guess it doesn't matter. This company does not have enough ideas to do four hours of premium-feeling television every week. Not without splitting the brands, and we yes, don't suggest that. Yes, we don't want to do that. Um, so I, it's just this good, mostly good, idealist, inessential 7.5 out of 10 every week. And it just makes me not, agonize over the weight for dynamite and it's a naive it's one of those things right where it feels as naive as remember when you were like i don't know five six seven years ago and you go i wish vince mcmahon would push x wrestler who's really exciting and wears yeah. cake pads but isn't like a wrestlemania size guy or whatever it feels equally naive for me to say i wish it could go back but it can't that's just the modern landscape and the yeah. content form and the rights fees and i i i realize that i'm chasing uh, an unrecoverable dream. Yeah, I was, uh, I'm kind of conflicted when it comes to Collision because I enjoy it, watching it more on a Sunday night than I did watching Rampage, despite the fact it's longer. Yes, it's a lot more important. Yeah. Um, and yet, it feels inessential. And full disclosure, uh, I had the best intentions this weekend. I was going to get up on Saturday... Usual routine, watch SmackDown, and we had some. We had the photo shoot with Jurassic and Eric, and it was all this walking which went really well. I'll show you them when they. Uh, we eventually, um, I don't know, sell a kidney or something to pay for that or whatever. Um, we had that, and then uh, just yeah, some nice family time. Saw some, saw a friend we haven't seen in ages, whose little boy's now like two, two and a half. So he was lovely interacting with Eric, and then uh, I kind of got into the Rugby World Cup uh, semi final on Saturday night. And then Sunday, that was mm, yeah, uh, it, it was funny. I, I thought, oh god, I'm gutted that we you know, lost in the final few minutes. And then I realised, oh, I don't care about rugby. Yeah, because if that had happened for England's football team, that's not just the weekend ruined. Arguably, the entire month. Yeah, it'd be. I'd be. I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to hear about it. I don't want to see any reports, or I don't want to go on social media because it might get referenced, or someone might clip something. I'll think. Of, and then when it happens, sorry, go on. Yeah, it was, no, I was just going to say, when <laughs> they lost. I turned turned it off and went, ah, oh, that's rubbish. And I just moved on with my life. Yeah, with England, honestly, the international tournament exits are so heartbreaking that I can never even imagine enjoying a qualifier again. It's mm -hmm. like, well, what's the point? This hurts too much. And then you watch them and it goes back to normal. Jude it's, Bellingham's goated. Yeah, you see the devastation on the face of the players. And it's like, how can you go back 
to the international camp three months later and like have a laugh with your mates. It just that's the devastations that much. I well put it this way, hypothetical scenario, but you like collision on a Sunday a little bit. Yeah, I was, so I was gonna. What I was gonna say was, uh, it's not like oh god, I better watch collision. Oh, you gotta watch collision. I'd seen spoilers of the the dream match and what have you. Um, and we obviously previewed some stuff. Action Andre potentially getting murdered, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, so I wasn't, I wasn't like thinking, oh, I've got to fit that into my weekend. But Sunday we went to a farm that was awesome. Although Eric was in the papoose and basically slept through the entire thing. And I got home and I thought, uh, can we be asked to watch Battle of the Belts? And I thought I'll check if there's any title changes, I'll watch it. And there wasn't, even though they had an extra match, a fourth match. Still no title changes, so I haven't watched it. No. To underscore how much Collision, ultimately, despite the fact that without Danielson, this show is nothing to me. Mm. The fact that you get Daniel, it's the Danielson exclusive show, mostly. I know he was flown in for title Tuesday because they wanted to pump up the number. So for that reason, and virtually that reason alone, I love watching some of it, but there's no reason why I can't do it on a Wednesday. Yeah. To underscore just how much it feels like additional content, ninety percent of the time, that the ten, the other ten percent you could just put it on dynamite. There's nothing stopping them. If you told me in the summer of twenty twenty one, oh my god, breaking news, Observer Radio, Warner Media, unhappy with the amount of blood, swearing, whatever, and this would never happen. But it's just a hypothetical. Warner Media upset with everything. I've said, you know what? No, we can't have this. We're getting too many complaints. Um, the, the sponsors um, are complaining. They're not very lucrative sponsors. They're sort of the bottom end because of the stigma attached to wrestling. You're now living down to that stigma, AEW. It's the summer of 2021. You, 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 your fans might like the gore and the swearing and the energy and the brilliance of it all. But the sponsors, who already are not the premium sponsors, have decided, no, we do not want our brands associated with the sick filth. Sorry, guys. It's over. Collision. Uh, Dynamite has been cancelled. I would be despondent. Yeah. I would be absolutely devastated. If someone was to say to me, or if I was to read Fightful Select or, or, or Figure Four Online or whatever, the sad news, guys. Phew, bad news. Collision's been cancelled because it's cheaper t- for Warner to just rerun classic movies in the slot that they've already got the rights to and they're far cheaper. You'd think, oh, like, th- Good. <laughs> you wouldn't think good, you'd think, oh, that's a bit of a shame, and I think that doesn't have the nicest um, forecast on AEW's long-term health, but, well, at least I can re-look forward to Dynamite. At least it's streamlined and me- premium and elusive. I just would not care if the show no longer existed. It'd be me getting over England and to South Africa. Oh, no! Anyway. Uh, anyway, I'll have Danielson on a Wednesday, <laughs> and the gap will be longer, and I'll be able to anticipate it more. What did you think of the... I'm not going to do it because it's the work of... Well, you know what? Like Wrestling's better in the spaces between moves, and wrestling television is almost as good in the spaces between days. <laughs> yeah. What did you make of the whole dream match no, discourse? It wasn't a dream match, and he needs to be careful. Because the next time... Right, you've ruined it a little bit. You can always build it back up. The next time, he's wasted this phrase. Like I think this is really a bit of a misfire as a promoter because when he said dream match, the idea with AEW is that they will open its doors. They've just done it to CMLL. Mm. They will open its doors. They will allow just really acclaimed or legendary international imports to appear on the show. 
and they will sign free agents. They've got the money. They will bring people back out of retirement if they can coax them. Sting, Punk. Their version of a dream match is not hyperbole. It's the stuff about which you dream, mm. and it's the stuff that you think can only exist in a dream, but they make it possible with their connections, with their... What like, was the last one? Vikingo? Vikingo Omega. Omega. Yeah. That was definitely a dream match because he knew it was going to be outstanding. It was outstanding. It's the first time he'd seen Vikingo on national TV, so it was a real novelty as well. So when Tony Khan says dream match, I sit up and pay strict attention mm. because he's capable of coming up with these match graphics that somehow feel like some like, really naive pipe-dreaming nerd has just made it up on yeah. the internet, and it's not the case. It's actually real. It's a dream-like thing happening for real, and this is just two guys on the call roster mm. working a match that, you know, I thought was really, really, really good, but it, it hit the ceiling I expected of about a three and three quarter start, a four star match, um, that I knew was going to be of a very high standard. Yeah, I've never fantasy booked this. No, and it, it was a brilliant match. Obviously, we'll get into it in a second. But I was watching this, not thinking as we often talk about when we're talking about huge AEW matches. Going, well, neither guy can really afford to lose this. Like they're both in. A, I was like, oh, Andrade's definitely exactly. Yeah, didn't feel high stakes even. That's yeah. the thing, but that's a really good point. Like if it was. I'm not automatically ruling out two contracted full-timers in AEW wrestling as not a dream match. Mm. For instance, it has been heavily teased and you've been asked to connect the dots. MJF Kenny Omega, it's a dream match for me. Haven't seen it in four years. Two incredibly different wrestlers with different philosophies after all this time finally colliding in the ring. That's a dream match. And that is a dream match with two mm. members of the roster. But this doesn't fill, fulfill any remit. You don't get... Like, as you say, Willborn, two people who you think, Jesus Christ, who's going to lose that and how? Mm. Nor do you get this sort of, like, impossible import or some, like, long-held dream of a wrestler to wrestle this person. Like, Brian Danielson versus Blue Panther. Blue Panther, if you're unaware, is possibly the very best scientific luchador. He's, like, in his 60s, I believe, at this point. Wow. Danielson holds him in sacred reverence. And he's the sort of wrestler who's so skilled on the map and with holds and creating drama from that, that it doesn't really matter how old he is because he's just got this legendary aura. And you know Danielson would have an amazing match. It would be so weird to watch someone that old be that good in that context with Danielson. So I thought that was going to be it with the with the CMLL partnership blooming and stuff. But no, a, a, a main event talent versus a spotty in quality upper mid-card act who I can never really tell how good he is. At a minimum, Andrade is a tremendous upper mid-carder who, and I know this word isn't fashionable anymore, can give you a proper, proper banger. Mm. That's the limit for me with Andrade. He showed a different side to himself, but it's still not this. I don't really feel emotionally invested in his work, nor am I fantasy booking world title runs. No. No, with the show open with it, yeah, Andrade Alidlo versus Brian Danielson. We got this is awesome chance just so they were locking up. A nice sort of technical standoff yeah, early on in this. Conditioned. Um, so the the atmosphere, let's say, changed when Danielson hit a chop and Andrade was like, oh, we're doing that now, are we? Yeah, I love that bit, though. They both just started chopping the crap out of each other. Andrade does his tranquilo bit in the ropes. Bates, Danielson. Danielson goes out to the floor, but Danielson catches Andrade. Oh, he's a chess master. Oh, my God. 
Yeah, so good. It posts Andrade to take us, uh, hits a running knee off the apron to take us to a break. When you come back, Danielson's focusing on Andrade's arm, uh, but Andrade comes back with a flying forearm, but he's still selling. It's the other arm, but he's still selling the injury. Um, Danielson counters the running knees from Andrade, but uh, can't get out of the way of the springboard dropkick. He gets sent out to the floor, and Andrade hits him with a nice moonsault before bringing him back in and hits, hitting a split-legged moonsault for a new uh, two-count. Um Andrade brings him up for a superplex, but uh, Danielson sends him down with some headbutts and then hits a shotgun dr- drop kick from those chest kicks of his. Uh, as he goes with the head kick, Andrade catches it and does a nice, a couple of nice, dragon screw leg whips. Um, Can I just say, before I forget, I'm sorry to break up your flow, mm-hmm. I never get the opportunity to mildly criticize Brian Danielson's work on this podcast because it's usually so immaculate yeah. that I would never... I think he could have done a better job selling the dragon screws here. Mm. I think it went to the next trans, the, the next phase of the match very quickly for my taste. Especially with the ZSJ's ones still ringing in our yes, ears. Yes, exactly. That's a really good point, Wilborn. Uh, oh, just call me Butter Baby. I want to roll. Danielson counters the second uh, dragon screw, I should say, into a LaBelle locks. Andrade gets to the ropes. Um, Danielson brings him up to the top rope, but Andrade knocks him away and hits that double stomp of his to the chest. Uh, he goes to the top rope, double jump moonsault. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, but Danielson counters it and just stamps on his face. Oh, my God. He's starting to oh, really cook around this time. <laughs> Danielson goes to the LaBelle lock. Andrade counters into the figure fours, trying to bridge into the figure eight, but Danielson just makes it to the ropes. Andrade hits that back elbow of his. Danielson hits a high kick, but Andrade counters the Busaiku knee with an O'Connor roll, uh, and they exchange pins before Danielson stacks up Andrade with the crucifix pin and gets the one, two, three. Let's pause that there. We'll talk about what happened afterwards in a second. But yeah, your thoughts on the match? Um, Really, 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 really good. Maybe it's close to great whilst just being really, really good as possible. It just, I mean, he's excellent. Like, it just didn't have, it didn't click into that high-end Danielson level for me. Even uh. though, like, some of the work was just sublime. Different side of Andrade. Like, he's just, Danielson is such a purely great professional wrestler. Creating moments of drama from the safest, safest liquid technical map-based wrestling. Like, just a tilt of body weight into a, another hold, another submission, that doesn't even look like it hurts, and yet it's so perfectly timed and fluid and dynamic that you just think that's the end, and you get mm. caught into it. Like, I'm, this is the guy who made Saturday Morning Slam such this revered cold <laughs> hit. Yeah, he can do, and it's so weird how he's got that. He can turn me into an animal, <laughs> just bleed guy. Yeah, um, because he's just can be so hard hitting create this tone of just ultra violence and just turn me into a gore hound and yet he can just simply move around the ring at pace exchanging holds with people and it doesn't feel like the soulless exhibition of mm. fancy technique it feels like high drama he could wrestle a match exclusively on the mat without a single strike or or you know impact move or throw and it would still be a masterpiece like that's how good he is and he really flex that here um, like just a purely great professional wrestler, like the very best at that kind of. That doesn't look like it hurts necessarily, but it looks like you could pin you. Yeah, just amazing. Um, I really like the bit with the chops and the tone change, even though we've kind of seen a bit of it on 
dynamite. Maybe it was a bit of subconscious. Ah, uh, yeah. Um, taking from that, I guess. I don't know with Penta and Jay White. Get a lot of that in AEW. It's weird. It's like a weird phenomenon of, oh, that's a really good idea. And I'm just subconsciously think that and then just do it and claim ownership. <laughs> um, the Judas effect but better. That's what we'll call it. That, if, he was, if he was like in PWG and he had like banter names for his moves, that's what I would call it. The jeb. Judas, the jeb. Yeah. Judas effect, comma, but better. That's what I would call that move. It didn't have that same temple destroying flush no. thing. But it had a different quality where it's like, oh! sort of pulled it out of nowhere, doesn't it? Yeah. I know right that normally the... happens because it's the kick into that. But Yeah, it didn't have that same upright oh, instant decapitation, but it looked like a more thudding pain. Mm. Um, there was something else I wanted to say about this match other than... Could be worse. Did you see uh, Jimmy Uso super kick to John Cena on SmackDown? I didn't. Please show me it after this podcast. <laughs> he's useless. He's not useless, obviously. It, it was Cena. I think it was Cena. Cena was just like, oh, not God. the face I'm going to go back to acting soon. Oh, God. Uh, other than the dragon screws, which I thought was a weird lost thread in a match where Danielson usually ties mm. everything together immaculately. The other thing I love about Danielson is that he knows how to wrestle how good he is. Like, Daniel Garcia, this is a tangent, wrestles to his level of experience as a character, which is yeah. so impressive yeah. to me. Like, remember before he got embroiled in all the stuff he's doing now, where he, would, where he would, like, sort of do... He would, like, watch the tape of his own matches on Twitter, explain why he lost. He was really good at making rookie mistakes yeah. on purpose. He's so clever. Danielson is really good at being the best. And how hard <laughs> is that? Like, I'm just going to incredibly wrestle as the best wrestler alive. Like, how do you do that? How, he, how do you do it? <laughs> like, he's an oracle in there when he's just laying traps or guessing where his opponent's going to go or try and mm. hurt him. And he's just so good at being the oracle of professional wrestling and just seeing every move in advance. Uh, just, it just makes you feel like he studies tape and watches it. Yeah, and he's so brilliant that, you know, they could have just stood backstage and gone, right, what... What angle do you want to work here? Oh, are you going to do some sort of, you know, figure figure four, figure eight stuff? So probably take out, do do less, do, I'll do an arm spot, I'll post you. But then because it's Danielson, you're like, oh, well, he's just recovered from a bad arm. And he goes, well, I know how difficult it is to wrestle a match with a bad arm. So if I see an opportunity to post Andrade, I'm going to do that because yeah. it's going to take out a lot of his offense and mm -hmm. position me in the right place for the label lock. But anyway, after that match... <sighs> For Tony, for a billionaire, Tony Khan really needs to pay his lucky bill. Uh, lights went off quite a lot on this show um, because uh, the House of Black and Malachi Black in particular are back. Lights down, lights up. Malachi Black's in the ring. His eyes got a bit better, so that's nice to see. And uh, he kicks Danielson's head off and then disappears again before uh, Claudio and Wheeler can, can get their hands on him. Due to the fact that I don't believe it's happened, it might have happened on a bloody, I don't know, pandemic... SmackDown, I can't recall. But I don't think Malachi Black versus Danielson has no. quite happened. This feels a bit more of a dream match than this. I'm kind of wild on the prospect of Danielson doing like, just letting Malachi do way more of his Muay Thai stuff and a really original tech shit of that match. I mean, the match will be great. And the angle was, it's as ever, it's like, it's more effective to me than I would ever expect I kind of hate Goofy Supernatural Fair. Yeah. I didn't need it like five times on the same show. <laughs> yeah, I was like, I did, by the end, I was like, no, I knew you weren't. No, I knew you weren't. Um, we get Darby Allen talking about Nick Wayne in a video. Uh, 
Did you see the spot Darby Allen did over the weekend, by the way, at like Nitro Circus or whatever? I what's he doing? <laughs> Has he got a face tattoo now as well? Yeah. Uh, right. The spot will do the two bits of Darby Allen discourse. I opened up X and I was like, oh, thank God. People are talking about trivial bollocks. That means yes. I can put it away and have a nice time with my family. Um, the jump, you're not going to tell them not to do it. Nope. It's the same thing with a lot of wrestlers. Like People you don't realize that if you round the edges of these lunatics, you're not going to get that same wrestler. So just take it. Just mm. take it. Accept it. Embrace it. It's like Punk. Why can't he behave and get along? <laughs> if he did, he wouldn't be CM Punk. Yes. Why can't Darby Allen stop doing this? If you start to get, like, gun-shy about the sort of thing, you just wouldn't be the same Darby Allen in the ring. You just have to accept that he's going to do these things and <laughs> shut up about it. And the other thing as well, yes, it's a pretty... It's like a skeleton's hand on his yeah. forehead. Right. Two things on this. Actually, I've got three. Number one, people can do whatever they like with their own bodies. Great. Your body is your body. Do what you want with it, Okay. Number two, right, is that I see people like the security guard in my local Asda has got face tats. Mm -hmm. It's just a thing that happens now. Like, what is this, the 1960s? <laughs> the 1950s with this sort of moral, like, you know, everyone's got them. Who cares? Uh. T three, three. The man, as part of his character, has had face paint. yes. That's what I was thinking. On one side of his face, like, what's the difference? Yeah. It's just face paint he no longer has to scrub. Like, what are we doing here? <laughs> what are we doing here with this discourse? I uh, opened up X, had those three thoughts in a space of about 20 seconds as I was scrolling, and went, right, good. I always love it. People say, oh, I hate discourse. I hate discourse. I hate the things we talk about on X. True, I hate talking about them but I love the fact that they exist because if I'm seeing more than one tweet about this utterly trivial subject about which I care little, that I can go nothing else yeah. on the, that's not worth doom scrolling to see, oh, what else do I need to know about even though I don't want to know about it? If anything was important happening, I wouldn't be reading about this so I can, it's like a great shortcut of, do you need a doom scroll today? Yeah. N no. I mean, there's obviously very important events happening yeah, on the yeah. globe, but I'll just go on BBC for that. Uh, yeah, so he talks about Nick Wayne uh, listening to the hate, basically, and turning turning on him. Um, but he's, despite his fractured shoulder, he's going to be there at Dynamite on Wednesday because uh, Tony Khan's got a special gift to give Sting, of course. If That's if uh, Nick Wayne wants to finish what they started last week. Whatever it is, Christian Cage should destroy it. Oh, yeah, save that for Wednesday. Yes. <sighs> All going well. Yeah. Uh, then it was time for Sky Blue in action against Hollywood Haley. Um, I did like the uh, what's the what's the word the, the contrast between uh, Sky Blue becoming more and more corrupted whilst wearing Scooby Doo gear. <laughs> um, it was a squash match, basically. Haley got a, a bit of a comeback in there. Uh, but Blue powerbombed her out of the corner and hit the code Blue for the one, two, three. With all due respect, in some ways, the least important ones, you could argue, Sky Blue is a better professional wrestler than a Sid in the least important ability to thread moves together and tell a story with a bit more athleticism, less clunky movement. In the least important ways imaginable, Sky Blue, to be nice to her, is better than Sid. 
in the most important ways imaginable, Sid's a far better, more compelling pro wrestling character. When I see Sky Blue in action, instant zone out. Mm. I'm not saying she can't. She had, I mean, I'm praised to the hill to her match with Statlander the other week. Oh, yeah. So I don't want to be so dismissive. But when I see someone who ain't a squash match, if I'm going to watch a squash match, that doesn't give me, A, a very brief introductory glimpse into a brand new character that I'm really excited about because they're fresh and unfamiliar, or someone who's going to scalp someone's f***ing head off. <laughs> right? I do not need to see that squash match. Yeah. There's two types of squash match. Debuting new guy who's got all this potency, and they're very, very exciting because they're new or they've just jumped or whatever, or they've had a vignette and they're brand new. Ooh, I want to look at that. Or is this going to be a reckless, sick thrill for sickos? Those are the two squash matches. Big week for squash, squash matches in AEW as well. Yeah, yeah I mean, so they don't have that many ideas for four hours. It's as simple <laughs> as. Um, I regular cast member who isn't a killer, who I've seen a hundred times, do not need to see them in a squash match. I resent the amount of time I've talked about this. <laughs> it's ultimately women's match on the show. Tick. Yeah. Pathetic. Pathetic, more like. <laughs> uh, then we got the uh, second of three in-action matches. Uh, this one I was far more excited about, if I'm perfectly honest, because it was the guns. I thought, oh, God, I did this last week. Ugh. Oh, which losers are they putting there with them? Oh, my God, it's the Outrunners. <laughs> Just a glimpse before we could do the awesome gun. Uh, I was tempted to skip this and just pretend. Oh, yeah, it was with the. Then I had to see the bloody outrunners. Yeah. I was like, well, of course, I'm going to watch them. They're great. They cut from the ring before they do the beaming gang entrance. And I, you know, and you're like, huh? Did I just see what? Because I, I was like, Turbo Floyd was on last week. Yeah. And he's in there again, and he's got bloody Truth Magnum with him. Oh, my God. Uh, <laughs> outrunners just existing warrants this button. Oh, my God. Just please. They might have done it on Rampage. They might have done it on socials. I don't care. I don't look. Give them 30 seconds. Give him 30 seconds. Like, you've clearly got the time on this show, judging by that main event. Yeah. But then again, maybe... Oh, they're the baddies. The, 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 the gun club. Last week, it was a bit different, wasn't it? This week, I can't remember who, who Turbo Floyd faced last week, but it was like a, you know, Wardlow-esque squash. Keith Lee? It might have been Keith Lee, yeah. Yeah, that one makes sense, because he's not... A, but the uh, guns are bellends. Get the outrunners over and give him 30 seconds. Youngest, we're the youngest man alive. God, I love that so much. But um, yeah, I've written in my notes here. Uh, initially, Turbo Floyd dominates, right in all caps. <laughs> he got that one moving and yeah, flexed, yeah. and I was like, oh my God, are they going to win? <laughs> they didn't. Uh, Colton immediately hit him with a punch to the face. He drop kicked Magnum when he got involved, as stomps to Floyd in the corner, and then they just hoid truth Magnum on top of him as well. Austin gets rid of. Uh, one of them, I can't remember which one, and then they hit the 310 to Yuma for the 1-2-3. But it's all about the post-match. They're celebrating, and then suddenly again, bloody hell, lights go out. And who should appear on the screen but the MJF Devil Mask? What do you make of uh, his appearance on this show, or their appearance on this show, I should say? Um, they haven't forgotten about it, at least. Oh, Christ, what a glowing commendation. <laughs> They've got a memory. Yeah. Uh, I'm still convinced that it's not MGF. Someone trying to frame MGF. Well, judging by the uh, outline, it wasn't the same person from the other week as well. That's oh, always a proxy. Yeah. It's always a proxy, always a surrogate. Um, yeah. 
I don't know who it is. And at this point, I don't care, which is the big indictment. I, we, should, be, I should be like going for clues and who was there, who wasn't, who's got prior with JY or Bullet Club Gold and just haven't got it in me to care that much. Mm. Yeah. I'm, I'm glad they've revisited it because it, it felt weird that it was just, I was like, Jay White's the only one mentioning this and he's the bad guy in all of this. It should be more, more like you say, breadcrumbs and yet we're cramming in more bloody Adam Cole vignettes and what have you. But uh, yeah, it's, I don't know how much this is going to factor into their full gear stuff, but at least they are reminding you of that this rather than completely forgetting about it for weeks, aside yeah. from JY mentioning it in promos. But I think we booked it better on the preview, if I'm honest. I can't remember. We did the laid out, disappear, wait, oh. Oh, was that Hamflot was talking about that? Why would it be Hamflot was talking about that? He doesn't want to talk about AEW on no. his free time anymore. <laughs> anyway, uh, Lexi Nair's backstage with Orange Cassidy, but then comes Chris Statlander, uh, who needs to get some reps in before uh, Battle of the Belts. So she uh, lifted Nair while screaming how ready she was for Battle of the Belts, and Orange Cassidy just sort of goes, yeah, I guess. <laughs> That's just a shrug. I don't care. It was nice. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss plushcare.com slash weight loss before we go any further though this show is sponsored by better help now we all carry around different stresses they can be big life worries or just you know little things like your favorite wrestler not being used properly the thing is when we keep them bottled up it really can start to affect us negatively Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever is weighing you down. It is really helpful, too, for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. Therapy basically empowers you to be the best version of yourself. So why not give better help a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and best of all, suited to your schedule. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash whatculture today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash whatculture. Then it was time for the Memphis Street Fights. Uh, Jeff Jarrett, of course, versus Eddie Kingston, uh, with the stipulation being that if uh, if Jarrett wins, then Jay Lethal gets a shot at uh, Kingston's ROH world title. They had Dave Brown there. Um, I'm a git. 
but it did make me laugh. They were like, Dave Brown's joining us for this uh, Memphis Street final. Of course, uh, a lot of history between you and Jeff Jarrett, Dave. Dave Brown went, <laughs> and I was like, someone either either tell him to talk into the mic or turn his mic up. I don't know. It was really got... nice at the bottom there. Yeah, but uh, it, was, it was quiet. Uh, he pointed out he'd been calling matches for Jarrett since he was 18 years old, and yeah, it did seem slightly one-sided at the moment. Jarrett made his entrance with Karen, Jay, Sanjay, and Satnam, and I was like, we'll see where this is going. <laughs> Uh, and as Kingston made his entrance, he immediately got overwhelmed by all the numbers. They brawl up the stage. There's a there's a concession stand that's there. Your face tells me all I need to know about that. Uh, Kingston hoists some hot dogs at Jarrett. Jarrett picks up a barricade and throws at Kingston. Um, and just loads of plunder, what have you. Kingston comes back with a headbutt and squirts in with ketchup and mustard. Puts Jarrett on the table, but J- uh, Karen Jarrett claws at his eyes and lethal uh, hits Kingston with a cutter off the stage through the table. Oh, my God. The execution of that spot was unbelievable. It got me quite excited about those two working together, actually, that. Uh, that took us to a break. I thought that was genuinely the end of the match for a split second. Uh, when we come back, Jarrett hits uh, Kingston's knee with, I think, literally everything in the arena. Yeah. Um, he puts him in the figure four. Uh, but Kingston, well, he rides around initially, but manages to, to do the old reversal of the hold. Lethal goes to the elbow drop, but uh, misses. Kingston drills Sanjay. He's fighting off everyone, basically. He's two on one, three on one. He nails Sanjay Dutt with a punch. Uh, he hits Jarrett with the Uruken, and You think, oh, my God, he might just get away with this one. But Jay Lethal cuts off the pin. Kingston fights him off. Hits uh, Satnam with Jeff Jarrett's guitar, um, but all this has allowed Jeff Jarrett to recover. He hits the stroke. Yeah! Does his celebration. That obviously takes too long. Kingston kicks out. And so Satnam Singh, Jeff Jarrett, and Jay Lethal all hit their finishes on Kingston. One, two, three. Jay Lethal gets the title shot. More on this a little bit later on. Yeah. Elements of this I really, really enjoyed. Like Eddie Kingston's defiance. His last stands, the bird flips, just got me because he's so good at playing that. Just a man with just a completely indefatigable spirit. Mm. Love him. Always will. Two big complaints. One, I never want anything that Eddie Kingston ever does to feel fake. It's such a betrayal of who he is, and I think you should create the most real-feeling backdrop against so you can perform against it to get mm-hmm. the most out of him. Because when he does something that against or within something that feels searingly fake, it's like, uh, it's, it's heartbreaking. Like, remember barbed wire everywhere? The, oh, yeah. Just the omni-gimmicked shark week synergy and that barbed wire and that terrible barbed wire bed that he put Jericho through as a, air quote, measure of revenge when it was just basically a stupid way of trying to have him save face and it just felt fake. I hated the fakeness of all of that. Just go get go to the concession stand. Were they worried that no one would be there and it would just make it look like a ghost town? So they thought, right, we can't go backstage because it's not this bustling environment where people are, you know, getting some food and there's like loads of people in this arena. Just a ghost town at the concession and the merch stands and that would... Mm. Sort of reveal something. I suppose they, they need to be in that spot for the cutter off the stage as well. Yeah, we could just come back from the yeah, yeah. come back from the real concession stand and just do it. 
I hate that it's just a fake one existed. It's very WWE. Like, very, very WWE. Plus, imagine how good as you'd be if you're in the crowd, if you're like, we've looked out. Yeah. You've got seats right next to the ramp, and there's going to be a concession stand right here selling hot dogs. Get in. It's fake. Don't love, don't, 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 that was not there. a real concession stand. <laughs> you cannot buy anything from there. It existed for a contrived purpose, and I don't want contrived and Eddie Kingston to fit into the same match no. review. I just don't want Especially that Especially with this promo we got later. The thing is, like, AEW usually gets it. So, like, it's a barroom brawl, and there's a, a bar on the, on the stage, which it's fine if it's WWE, and sometimes it can be really daft and fun, but, like, they've done so many real concession stand spots that have rules. So to see a fake one, I'm just, what are you doing, lads? Mm. Like, what are we doing here? So I hated that. Cutter was great. The actual walk and brawl was tremendous. In the ring, it was what I wanted it to be until that prolonged smashes leg with everything. Again, I don't want Eddie Kingston fighting with fake props, nor do I want him being a superhero just to protect him. And here's the, my other complaint about this. I briefly alluded to it on Twitter, so I'm going to flesh this point out. The amount of times in AEW, particularly over the last year, where we've got some cutesy match graphic or some spreadsheet booking on a storyline where it's like, we don't really belong together, but we hate the same guy, so let's team up and wrestle them. Like, I've lost count of these alignments, and more to the point, so have AEW. Let me explain. So we've seen, like, this is a various example of the phenomenon I'm talking about. We've had things like, and there's good versions of this as well, um, Darby Allen and Orange Cassidy, a tag team for a while. Yeah. Who did Roddy Strong team with? Could you go on Roddy Strong's cage match for me very quickly? Um, he was in a four, he was in an eight-man tag, and I think that was his first match in AEW. And it was a wild collection of characters. <laughs> yeah, it's the JAS versus Roddy Strong, Adam Cole, Orange Cassidy, and Bandido. <laughs> yeah, and Bandido and Orange Cassidy, for example. Yeah. That's another one that I've just completely forgotten that from. Well, they were made some partners for a bit because it's cute cutesy booking mm -hmm. to make random matches that ultimately exist to do to further Adam Cole versus Chris Jericho ahead of Double or Nothing. Uh -huh. That's why that match existed principally, right? And he got Bandido in because it's fun and it's a bit random and it's nice. But the problem is that you create all of these alignments and you create the idea that these wrestlers have become friends mm. or there is a mutual respect or there's the, uh, the famous, they love this phrase in wrestling of, well, We've got history together, or I don't know you that well, or I like you a bit, actually. I've got your back. Yes. I've got your back. Eddie Kingston got his ass kicked <laughs> for ages here. For ages. And I know he's a pretty uh, ornery bloke who has a limited amount of friends and trusted confidants, right? And it takes a lot to be his friend. And if you betray him, it really gets to him. So I can vaguely understand the character and his personality traits not exactly summoning hordes of people to have his back and defend yeah. Eddie Kingston, who's the gregarious everyone's made type. At the same time, let, like just over two months between All In and this match, he was he's made to the best friends. And it was that we weren't mates necessarily, but you went to war with them. Yeah. A lot uh, against the Blackpool Combat Club. Where was Orange Cassidy to come out? 
where was Orange Cassidy to come out and help him? Saving himself a battle of the belts. Orange Cassidy, who also has an issue or long-standing issues with Jarrett and his mates. Yeah. Almost lost the belt on numerous occasions to them. If you keep dicking around and creating all of these different alignments and associations and super meme-fun stables, it just bites you on the arse for continuity. Mm. It's a way to delay big matches, which itself is a problem in AEW. Yeah. And then if you're not going to adhere to that continuity when these people are meant to have each other's backs and are happy to team with each other and have each other's backs, you get plot holes like this with the booking. Like the continuity... This is just one example of the continuity in this sh- in this company. I thought they'd like sought to resolve it this year, but they haven't really done an effective job of it. Um, let's talk about the uh, uh, the the promo he cut later on. Oh my god! Yeah, he could sell me on a match with Matt Hardy. Yeah, in this form because it was unbelievable. He, uh, he <laughs> I like the. I was watching the the trainer who was fixing him up as well. He was just like. Didn't really know how to feel about all this. Just standing back and letting this bloke do his thing. He's getting checked over. He's like, get, get off him for a second. I want to talk to, to Jay through the camera. Or Jamar, as he was calling him, of course. Um, he said, look, I, I made you jump through these hoops because I didn't like how you uh, you called someone who uh, wasn't your blood, your uncle. You know, sort of sidled up with this carny son of a bitch, Jarrett. Um you know, the Jay Lethal that he remembers is the guy who loved pro wrestling. Now he's Jeff Jarrett's lapdog. He's not a man anymore. He's Jeff Jarrett's little bitch. Uh, if Lethal's man enough, don't bring any of them to their match uh, at final battle. Um, and the thing that he's going to hurt him the most, he's going to have to beat down Jamar in front of his own mother, Jay Lethal's mother. Um, and she's going to cry because she'll know that he deserves it. Oh, oh my god! 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 Immaculate, just brilliant. He's the, best. he's the best, and I know he didn't intend to, but the fact he had a bit of blood and spit on the lens just made it all the better. Oh, I wish I was the camera lens. <laughs> Great, just yeah. I mean, like he could have been beaten by, you know, clown shoes by Jeff Jarrett, and then cut this promo. And I'd be like, cool. Yeah, I'll go to war with him. Yeah. He's just I'll best. watch him. I'll pay for him. God, you can imagine what the, the Fed would have done to him. Jesus Christ. You love the Fed. I do, but in this context... Yeah, you don't... They don't even, do I, even I'll hold my hands up and go, yeah, that wouldn't work, brother. Yeah, they're not Well, kidding. actually, NXT, tell a lie. Uh, <laughs> Lexi Nair's backstage with the acclaimed. Obviously, Max Caster's uh, having issues with talking to, well, anyone at this point. Did the oral sessions thing, oral sessions thing with Renee. MJF is just disgusted by any time he speaks to him, but he, he's got... A, Clean slate with Lexi Nair. And he basically, I've reworded this slightly, but he basically says, Milady, Battle of the Belts, why don't you use a belt on me? Shh. I, I don't want to swear too much because you've got a very busy day, but I would like to swear. Just let it be known that my irritation with this, it's not like a um, slip of the tongue or... Oh, I meant it in one context, but it uh, it also means something else in another context. It was just like yeah. crude, witless. And I'm look, listen to our podcast. I mean, check my watch and I usually love it. Yeah, evidently, but it's just made no sense. You would never get this wrong. I just I, I think it, the other thing for me was all right. Do this wacky bollocks if you want to do it. With the acclaimed, it's the acclaimed. They got national scissoring day over and what have you. Don't do it whilst they're 
running alongside the world champion and they're going to be tagging with him anytime soon. Like, oh, God, he's so bloody bad at talking to women. He's got to stand in the naughty corner. MGF is going to scissor Max Caster on live TV and it's going to get one of the loudest pops on it. Yeah. Television all yet. Just get to the point. Uh, anyway, they've been champs for f- uh, 55 days at this point and they've got a title defense at Battle of the Belts, which, um, just one second, I'm just going to check this. Yeah, they uh, retained because no one ever wins belts at Battle of the Belts. Eight times it's happened. 25 matches now. One. One title change. Miro versus Action Andre. This was a ple- pleasant surprise for me. I uh, There was one spot that I went, oh, like that, right? And I'd never, apart from, I, th- I was going to make that noise when Miro murdered Action Andre, of course. But So CJ Perry comes out because uh, it's all about her for some reason. Um... And Miro obviously wants to kick his ass because he dared to even suggest that she could manage him. He batters Andretti, and I thought, not another squash on this show, especially with FTR in action coming One later. squash, that should have been a squash. Yeah. Um, but Andr- Andretti fights back. He, he gets he beeled but lands on his feet, and he hits Miro some drop drop kicks, and there's a uh, he goes for a springboard and just gets cut off by Miro. And uh, Miro sends him shoulder first into the ring post before we went to commercial. I thought I'd really anticipate this one going through a break, if I'm honest. But when we come back, Andretti sort of fires up, manages to knock Miro out to the floor with a few... He sort of knocks him to the apron, then he does a a springing thingy and knocks him to the floor, hits a dive onto him. But he goes for a high crossbody. Miro catches him and just slams him down. He blows a kiss, does Miro, to CJ Perry... And this is the bit that I really like. So he's just a game over, right? And clearly what he's planning to do here, stamps on the back, and he's going to snap him like a twig. He's going to literally, you know where he leans back on the game over? Wrenches back. He does that. But often it's like, you're in position, and now I'm going to slowly pull you back, and it's just going to hurt more and more and more and more. But he used, he was just like, I'm going to... He did that, and Andretti... Use that momentum to get out and get a pin, and I went ah, like that. I didn't want, obviously, didn't want him to win, but I was like, I thought that was a really clever. That was really cool. Yeah, that was really cool. Um, but uh, I didn't need eight minutes more. No, Andre then hits a tornado DDT and a shotgun drop kick, and I was like, what are we doing here, guys? Springboard four fifty. Then Miro kicks out one. Uh, Andre tries to pick him up. The back gives out. Sidekick. Game over. Doesn't won't let it go. And Mick Perry doesn't look impressed. She just sort of looks a bit. Uh, I don't know if it was the time to do this kind of match. If you remember, Miro was unreal when he was TNT champion at being this absolute invincible badass killer type and then showing that vulnerability. It's like, Jesus, could someone be Miro? Oh, no, no, no. The glowing red weakness spot. Yeah, 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 yeah. Minute. And that was awesome when he was champion, when you have to do that to make the matches dramatic, and to make it seem like someone can win. When you're on back on the come up, you should be undeniable yeah. killing machine. Yeah. I didn't. I did not need the TNT Miro title match when he doesn't have that TNT champion aura to get away with it. You know mm. that was my prevailing idea. But the spot Andretti that much. Yeah. That spot was class. Like, uh, Andretti's really quite good beyond his ability to do flips and stuff. Like he's got a mind for it, which is weird. He looks like he's dumb as a box of rocks, <laughs> but. I didn't need that match when Miro's not at that level back yet. Mm, that's fair. Um, Hikaru Shidi's going to defend... Tony Schiavone announces. Hikaru Shidi's going to defend the women's world title against Soho 
on Wednesday. We'll talk about that in the preview, of course. Wonder who will win. Uh, <laughs> Lexi Nair is backstage with uh, the JAS, but no J. Um, 2.0, Anna J, Daniel Garcia, uh, and Anna Jay's like, yep, any problems we have have been sorted. And then Daddy Magic is like, yep, we're all on the same page. We went for breakfast and there was no dancing. And she's like, I thought we'd sort this out. Me and you, and, and Garcia is looking nonplussed in all this. She's like, right, we're going to sort this out again. Let's go. They leave. Um, cool Hand Angie's there. Um, and there's like, well, here's Ruby Soho. And there's a, an interaction between the two of them. Soho and uh, Parker about <laughs> all these bloody teams falling apart, eh? And then she's like, get out of my shot. <laughs> and uh, she says, everyone's talking about championships and shots and what have you. I deserve one, and I'm going to be the champion on Wednesday or whatever. It's a bit all over the place, this. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I got it's that. Really all over the place. I couldn't really begin to work out if it made sense. And ultimately, I was too bored and unenthused of the prospect of passing it to see if it did. I, I might not be speaking with authority. I think this kind of tripped up on itself, but I don't care to really think <laughs> about it. <laughs> yeah. Well, there's a few years ago, like, well, what's this mean? Is there going to be like a, a romantic dabbling between yeah, yeah. Kulhan Ange and Ruby Soho? We'll see. We'll see. There's uh, a, a video for the LFI. Roosh is tired of seeing other wrestlers get opportunities and being told he's too violent. He's sick and conforming just to see other people get what he deserves. To be continued. Mm. Will it? I never know if you're going to be there every week. So. I love Roosh. I love the idea of Roosh being prominent in AEW. This is theoretically very, very good and necessary to have some of Roosh's energy on this show. I don't like, and I honestly am so consistent. So unbiased. Huh? Not really. I prefer AEW. Yeah. Everyone's a little bit biased. That's the point of life. Um, I hated it for years in WWE when it was... In, it, in, AW, in WWE, it was true for the most part of, this system is broken. I'm going to try and prevail in spite of the broken system. For me, I'm thinking, just fix the system and yeah. have the best wrestlers succeed within it <laughs> and create a really logical and meritocratic narrative framework around this. The idea that AEW is like biased or has like reason to not push certain wrestlers who mm. deserve it for being so over and so talented and who've captured people's imaginations. The idea that the company, the promotion is flawed. I hate that. Mm. I've hated it in wrestling since they first started toying with it. I just watched that and I thought, wow, what a great video package, hyping up the LFI. And then I just thought, but will you be wrestling in four weeks or are you just going to disappear again for a bit? Yeah, no, you can't. That's the thing. They've lost that mm. elusive. I'll buy out there selling. Yeah, being within that mindset is so important. Like, oh, they're going with um, Sean Spears in 2019. Well, this company's on fire and they're doing great business with everyone. I'll go with that. Yeah, to go from I will invest in what they do with Jake Hager versus Dustin Rhodes. <laughs> yeah, to I'm not sure what they're going to do with Roosh. That tells its own story. Mm. But I'm sure I'll get told off by certain people on Twitter for thinking this company might have peaked or complaining about it, which in some circles you're not allowed to do. You're not even a fan. I try I mean, not to get involved, but sometimes I just get so wound up. By I get wound up on your behalf. When you like posted that thing over the weekend, and then I saw people being like, you're not a real fan, are you? I was like, you wrote a book about... Um, yeah, I'm not a fan either. He was, he was literally... He was describing AEW before AEW. Yeah, I know. I sat with a poor guy in our office going, right, Sid, we've got to do another... Smackdown synopsis, and you're like, right, really? Okay. <laughs> yeah. 
Uh, I wish they did more of this. Oh, by the way, the company's going to come in three years and do it. Oh, great, <laughs> thanks. It winds me up. Anyway, uh, and I thought, no, no, you weren't. FDR in action. Nothing against Bad Thad Brown and Darian Benston, but I was like, what are we doing here now? And I was the, like, you, you've, you've dropped the tires and you've come back to fight these guys, but... The generous way of putting it is that they tried to shock you with an angle by subverting. They wanted you to think... It was like the rule of three, wasn't it? Yeah. The rule of three in actions. Not another one. Oh, I expected one, but they didn't deliver it. But you'd already been shocked by the House of Black earlier in the night, so I'm not sure how... This is all a bit weird. Yeah. Um, yeah, FTR obviously was battering him. Lights go out. Lights come back up. Here's Malachi Black, but he's not on his own. Now he's got Brody King and Buddy Matthews, and they kicked FTR's ass. So it's going to be Danielson and FTR? Or, of course, Raid FTR. Yeah, but that's just a that's just a that's just a trademark. Mm. The eyes of three people who uh, I mean, you mean rated LTV? Sorry, yes. rated RTV. Yeah, rated respect in this business. Um, <laughs> yep. <laughs> I mean, I'm up for this direction. But Malachi Black versus Brian Danielson, like you say, love it. Uh, Brody King and, and Buddy Matthews versus FTR, great. Yeah, love that as well. Thanks very much. Um, but I was just like, okay. And then, <laughs> and I was like, cool. There it is. Right. So there's the there's the two House of Black. Then you've got three people in House of Black. And there's two people in a feud with there. And one person in a feud with there. And then, well, main event time. Yeah. For the World Tag Team titles. It was uh, Ricky Styles and Big Bill uh, versus Claudio and Wheeler Utah. Jim Ross on commentary talking about he'd been for breakfast with Jerry. Jerry <laughs> Thanks, Jim. There you go. Who it is? <laughs> Actually, no, they're too old. Yeah. <laughs> I thought you meant that, and I was like, oh, no. 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 Yeah. Um, Starks and Utah kick us off. Utah uh, outworks Starks. So he just goes, oh, I'll just get Big Bill in then. That's fine. And beats up Wheelie Utah. Um, uh, distraction from Starks allowed Bill to knock Utah off the apron. And Starks used a Blackpool Combat club shirt a ringside to run you into the barricade as we go to a break uh when we come back they're still kicking his ass um and but also they're trying to run interference so that whenever he tries to get to the corner they'll cut off claudio claudio sees starks trying to do that whilst um big bill and wheelie uter in there but then just turns around to a huge boot from big bill instead so when uter makes his way to the corner there's no one there he turns back around into a huge boss man slam that looked awesome from Big Bill. Mm, I'm almost reluctant to press the button because I resented this match, but a begrudging. Oh, my God. Yeah. Um, but I also looked at the match time and went, Dinosaur making! <laughs> I did think that when it started. I went, I went, oh, have I, like, what? You know, I'm watching this going on fight, obviously, and going, have I missed something here? Or It's the reverse Kenny Omega's. Yeah. Usually, I'm like, if he's in the main event, I'm like, wrap it up. I want the most I can get of Kenny because he's really great at working long matches and it's a vo- ve- an odd very few people are capable of, even some excellent wrestlers like the ones in this ring for this main event. And I'm like, look at it, like 141. It's like, <sighs> hasn't even done his entrance yet. It's going to be a, a mere 15 minutes. Yeah. Maximum like Escalera de la Muerte. I was like, uh, 15 minutes of Escalera. Yeah. Like, JK again. <laughs> yeah. This was like the... We sure there's nothing else before this. I thought they Are we sure we can't fit something else in before this? Because I did not need to go this 20 minutes. I thought they were going to do the Fed thing where they're like, here's the entrances. But anyway, let's go backstage for 10 minutes and have a chat with someone else. Yeah. 
And then he just came out and I went, oh, he's starting this, are we? Okay. Yeah. Um, so you managed finally to get over to tag Claudio in. After what felt like 84 years. Um, Claudio took it old school uh, with Ricky Starks. Uh, hits him with a drop kick. Uh, he tries to hit him with a giant swing, but Starks gets out of there. So Claudio follows into the floor and hits him and Big Bill with European running European uppercuts to take us to another break. Um, when we come back, another uppercut diving one from Claudio gets a near fall. Uh, and then he, Big Bill comes in and Claudio's holding him up and uh, Utah hits a, an assisted shotgun dropkick for a near fall. Goes for a German on suplex, but uh, a Starks distraction allows Bill to just nail Utah with a lariat for a near fall. Uh, Utah dodges some, but then gets hit by a razor's edge for another two count. In comes Claudio. Um, he hits Starks with a lariat, calls to the giant swing, hits it. Utah hits that dropkick on a swinging Starks, but Bill just breaks it up to stop the titles from changing hands. And I'm like, well, where are we going with this? Um... And then they set up for the fastball special. And then here come the House of Black again. Uh, Black gets the referee's attention. Buddy Matthews and Brody King takes out Claudio. Starks hits the spear. Rochambeau, one, two, three. They retain. Um, House of Black start beating up Utah. Danielson comes out. Starks and Bill join in the beatdown. FTR come out. They can't make a difference. And then here's John Moxley returning from injury. Great to see him back in a wrestling ring. Yeah. Uh, to help the BCC and FTR clear the ring. And Starks uh, realizes he's the only one back in there, and he gets hit with the shatter machine and the Death Rider, and gets swung around basically to close out the show. I, I watched all of this on Collision, where it's like Danielson versus the House of Black, Wheeler Utah and Claudio Castagnoli versus the House of Black. Yeah. Then I watched nothing of Battle of the Belts, and I woke up and it's like it's uh, Danielson and Claudio versus a Carter and Orange Cassidy. <laughs> what? <laughs> Yeah. I'll take it. What are, what are you, Orange Cassidy? What are you doing here? Yeah. I uh, this match was so unreasonably long, so cynically long. Yeah. That I resented it, and I had to like at various points like nip myself in the arm to like wake up. Yeah. Watch it. Watch it. Watch it. It's not their fault that the friggin' Booker can't do four hours, which Booker can a week of telly. But it was just like half an hour. You heard the like one hour thirty one minutes on the fight two hour feed. And you can hear the entrance music for the first act in the main event. I'm thinking, all right, okay. Did CM Punk get fired? Or <laughs> is he in the production office mapping out this collision? <laughs> like, what was the point in this being 21 minutes? And I, you know what I hate more than anything? Nah. You know what I just mildly dislike? <laughs> yeah, why I have yeah, to go to like 11 yeah, on yeah. everything? <laughs> I don't know why I do this. You know what I mildly dislike? Adam Wilborn is like, I had a real, real epiphany when I had a chat with the irritatingly as nice and you would as you would expect in real life, Simon Miller, mm. right? Where and he just completely like the nice mellow dude that he is, just brushed it off. But he said like it doesn't affect him, and he just appreciates that he's in this position. But he can't believe it when people say that he's a shill for either promotion or that he's biased against one. And I was like, Miller's like genuinely just loves it, loves yeah. his life, absolute workaholic. Can't believe he's in this position, et cetera, et cetera. And he just really just, he doesn't take it that seriously. He's goofy wrestling for life. Exactly. He loves his silliness. As a wrestler, he knows how hard they work and how talented they are, and he always puts them over. I can't believe, like this. I know people are deranged, right? I know people are deranged. 
but how can you believe that Simon Miller's got an in for a wrestling promotion? Exactly. You know what I mean? It's impossible. And I, and I thought, if people think that about Miller, there's no hope for certain people. No. They, they will interpret anyone's words and twist it into their own translation in their mind yep. as a defense mechanism. I'll never understand how people can just see things that aren't there. Mm -hmm. There are all lunatics out there. <laughs> and it genuinely scares me. There's enough to be worried about with the fate of the world. Yeah. This is probably not that. Anyway, I'm going somewhere with this. Don't worry. Yeah. Do not worry. And I've remembered as well. <laughs> just rare for me. So when Miller told me this, it was like, oh, I'll never win. If he can't win, mm. and I, I'm not, it's, he's, not, he's not working people. These are his genuine yeah. thoughts. If he can't convince people that his genuine thoughts and his completely unique analysis style isn't like latent negativity and bias against one promotion and it's an insidious campaign to bring them down. What are we doing here? It's Miller. He just loves it all. Yeah. Earnestly loves it all. I'll never win with that kind of criticism. I'll never convince people that I'm not biased. I have an obvious preference. Yeah. AW's aligned closer to my tastes. Here's where I'm going with it. It just makes us laugh. How many times have I said, and you know what? Triple H doesn't even do it that much more. I think it's one of the things he's improved at. And maybe I should put it over more. In the early stages of his reign as WWE creative head honcho, right? Yeah. I have lost time, lost count of the amount of times I sat in the studio reviewing a Raw match with you and Hamlet and saying five minutes too long. Yeah. It was at least five minutes too yeah. long. It was long for the sake of long because people, certain members of the fan base have been conditioned to think, oh, if it's a long match, it's automatically good. Yeah. And I hate that about wrestling. I really do. And I think even he realized, hang on, these 22-minute matches that have got no real reason to be 22 minutes aren't that hot in the buildings. Let's resolve that. And he has, to his credit. I was watching this match, Big Bill and Ricky Starks versus the BCC, and just I got the exact same feeling in my gut as I did watching a Raw match under Triple H in 2022 of, why is this going 21 minutes? I've watched matches. My favorite match of all time, Adam Wilborn, is 70 minutes. I am not saying that a long match is necessarily bad, but you've got, damn it, you have to justify it. You have to. And I watched Wheeler Utah get beat up and beat up. And I understand that they did try and make the character choice of, oh, I'm not going to be a bitch like Ricky Starks. Yeah. Tag out when the big man comes and I'll take my licks. That's what my character is doing. So I understand there was a purpose for him to be in that long, but even though it made sense for him to do so and make that choice from the POV of his character... I was still bored rigid and still just felt like an excuse to do eight minutes of what felt like eight minutes of sell, sell, sell. And I'm, I'm, I'm not even got into this match. I love the actual wrestling between Starks and Utah. I love the idea that Utah was like two steps ahead and Starks couldn't deal with it. Really nice wrestling. And then five minutes of just beat down, beat down, beat down. I'm like, oh, fuck. Mm -hmm. <laughs> oh my God, I'm so bored. Like by the, like, it doesn't work in this tag context because it felt like a relief when Claudio got the hot tag, uh -huh. not the face in peril has been selling his arse off, yeah. making me hope he can survive by making that tag. It was like, oh, God, Claudio's in. <laughs> it relieves that the guy stopped getting his ass kicked. Not that I wanted him to endure it. I wanted him to get his ass kicking over and done with. In fact, I wanted to get his ass kicked even more because I knew I was near the end. There'd be no ass left to kick. Some really nice moments like Claudio's a house of fire. But in terms of the unreasonable length and just doing nothing to fill out three hours of a house show, Let's have a match go 20 minutes where it doesn't need to. You'll always see that in a house show at some point yeah. if you ever go. Um, 
and then Claudio's rope walk, which is quite funny. That's the kind of like frivolous, out of character stuff you see on a house show. Yeah. Like Collision is a house show. Very, a lot of times it feels like a house show. I just don't want to watch it on TV. And then there is angle advancement, but they do the four one same times on each on this show. They don't have ideas for four hours. Yeah. Uh, well, let us know your thoughts on AW Collision on X uh, at What Culture WWE. Watch they can follow uh, both of us. You can follow Michael Sidgwick at Emmett Sidgwick. Follow me at Adam Wilborn. Follow us all at What Culture WWE. As I said, uh, What Culture Wrestling wherever you get your podcasts from for daily wrestling podcasts. Um, SmackDown review is available right now, and we'll be uh, here with the Raw preview a little bit later on today. And still, just enough time to get yourself tickets for uh, the Dadly Boys on tour, our live show. Very, very limited tickets. Available. Yeah, limited. Seriously, do it now before you even go and listen to the Raw preview. WhatCulture.com forward slash tickets. Uh, we'll obviously be back. AWIs to preview Dynamite on Wednesday. But for now, this has been the AW Collision Review. My thanks to Michael Sidgwick. Thank you for joining us, and we will see you soon. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com.